If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. A numbers game on VSIN, the sports betting network. You ever sat around thinking about life, started to regret it a little bit, and just be like, man, if only I had done that thing. You're always going to hang on to that moment. Don't let it be this moment because this is your last chance to get in on our summer special, huh? Sign up now and get our NFL betting guide out and our college football guide, which is coming out in just a couple of weeks. Only VEASAN Pro subscribers get all the tools to prep for the college and NFL season and check it out today. Best bets on future season win totals and more. Sign up before the end of July. Receive both guides and full VEASAN Pro access all the way through the Super Bowl. And an early bird discount, $175. Or sign up on a monthly subscription. First 30 days, only 19 bucks. Check it out now. Offer ends July 31st. And when I say last chance, I mean last chance. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. I hold a lot of power here. A ton. I that, made this happen. That's right. You've made you've made that same promise only like 14 times that's over right. the past uh, three weeks. I walked into Bill and Len's office. I kicked down the door. And I was like, this is ridiculous. This is too good of a deal. And they were like, you know what? That's a great idea, John. July 31st is the last chance. That's the cutoff. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right, let's get out, let's get out to uh, let's get out. Welcome Andrew Dinsick. because nice enough to give us some time here today. Doesn't want to hear me, uh, you know, throw my weight around. I'm a big shot here, uh, Drew. It's good to talk to you. I wanted to start with uh, the Women's World Cup, uh, and then we'll get to other things because I am pretty fascinated by this. When you have a team like the U.S. Women who are a favorite plus 250, everybody expects them in our realm uh, to win, right? Because we get super myopic. Of course, we're America. We got to win. Is this gap still there for the women in the U? US World Cup or excuse me in the World Cup coming up? Yeah, this is a tough handicap. I'm pretty heavily invested in USA. I like plus 250 as a price. Uh, if you can find that, I think that's fair. Um, and most of my reasoning here is pretty um, is kind of divorced from, you know, sort of the state of the team, which is obviously, you know, not in super sharp form coming into this World Cup. Um, you know, the most notable uh, recent international competition of consequence was the Olympics and the team USA was woefully underperforming uh, at the Olympics in uh, Tokyo back in 2021. Uh, and in two short years, a lot of the stars have gotten two years older. Um, and now they have a little bit of a challenge on their hands to reintegrate, you know, kind of integrate a, a, a young up and coming uh, group with potential, um, you know, it, you know, try to figure out how to balance the playing time for those players with the uh, kind of the existing incumbent championship class. Now as an NBA guy, JVT, tell me where you've heard this before. Uh, is this sound an awful lot like the Golden State Warriors yeah. and what they tried to do last year that uh, wildly, uh, wildly notably failed? Um, it does to me. 
Um, and so there is a potential for this to go sideways for them to never kind of, you know, old, you know, play as good as the pieces that are on the field. Um, but, uh, the reason I think plus 250 is pretty significant value is they're in group E. group E is tough. It's not like impossible, but I think they win group E pretty comfortably. Um, and that puts them in a section of the knockout draw that is pretty imbalanced. So, um, the other kind of realistic teams that have championship pedigree that are in this world cup, uh, are in no particular order, Australia, uh, France, England, and Germany. If all four of those teams win their respective groups, which they are, you know, pretty heavily favored to do, they will all end up on the bottom half of the knockout draw while team USA will be in the top half. So realistically of the top five teams with a, you know, you know, I say of the top five teams that I think have a realistic chance to win this title, uh, USA is only going to have to play one of them in the knockout rounds. As you have the odds up now, you'll notice I did not mention Spain. Spain mm-hmm. is plus 450. That would be the toughest team. The USA would have to play on their way to the final if Spain even gets there. But that team is going through some pretty chaotic stuff right now. A mutiny against the coach. The coach actually just wins that mutiny out. and Those players are playing for him still. Um, and, uh, you know, already causing call- controversy in New Zealand, uh, you know, offending some of the, uh, the local folks and some of the indigenous folks. So it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting couple weeks here for Spain, but, uh, team USA, I think gets through to the final very cleanly. Um, and at that point is only going to have to play one of the other, uh, contenders. And those contenders are going to have to go through a pretty difficult path to get there. So this feels a lot like team USA is, I don't know, say the Denver nuggets, uh, and they're going to, you know, just kind of coast in the West. Meanwhile, the, the East is a knockout, you know, knockdown, drag out blood brawl between, uh, you know, equal strength teams and whoever emerges is going to get dispatched. That that's kind of the way I look at this. Cause it's going to be an imbalanced knockout draw of team, assuming team USA wins group B. Uh, and at that point, you know, if you have five, six matches under your belt before you get to the final, um, you've worked out some of the kinks in terms of who's getting playing time and who, what the, what are the roles and responsibilities? Who are the team leaders you're counting on? Who is scoring goals? That's kind of the key question for team USA. We don't really know who, uh, is going to be tasked with, uh, kind of the finishing, um, you know, finishing responsibilities. Um, but they have enough talent, surely uh, most talented team in the world by margin. Uh, and I believe in this manager to figure it out along the way, because realistically for them, the world cup starts in the final. Uh, anything with uh, a prop market like this women's world cup top goal score. Would you ever read on how this goes in terms of how it plays out for scoring? I like Sam Kerr here. Sam Kerr yeah. plus 750 is a fun one. She's the most talented goal scorer in this tournament. And realistically, I have a sneaking suspicion that Australia is going to come through these European teams uh, and be Team USA's opponent in the final. Uh, this uh, this tournament is taking place in Oceania. Um, so some of the matches are going to be in Australia, some in New Zealand, I think team USA for the most part is playing in New Zealand until we get into the knockout stages. Um, but Sam Kerr is, is pretty outstanding, um, you know, offensive dynamite. Um, and she's going to have a, you know, relatively long, uh, run here because I believe Australia wins their group. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a, a runaway win for their group, but I think they win their group and they have the home field advantage here. And just in general, like we've seen a lot of examples of, uh, you know, the world going to an international stage and it being, you know, in the, in this part of the, uh, you know, in this time zone and it takes teams quite a long time to really get comfortable playing there, getting to their peak performance, particularly if they're coming from Europe. So uh, I think the European teams are, are, are on a little bit of, 
um, not upset alert necessarily, but just, you know, potential for some underperformance from, you know, the likes of particularly the Englands of the world who are dealing with a ton uh, of kind of meaningful injuries. Um, you've seen, we've seen their price drift uh, pretty aggressively in this market over the past month. And I think that's fair because they, they really, uh, you know, are not the same strength team that won uh, women's Euro um, last time it was contested. So it's going to be a, um, it's going to be, I think, uh, USA over Australia in the final. Uh, and USA's goal distribution is going to be pretty diffuse. There's a lot of women who are going to score for Team USA, whereas uh, Australia, it's going to be consolidated all on Sam Kerr's shoulders. Uh, she could ultimately win best player of the tournament. I think uh, plus 750 for uh, for Golden Boot is a, is a fair shout as well. Drew Densick with us. All right, so let's uh, transition over to American football. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins gets added to the group over at the Tennessee Titans. Um, I'll ask you a two-part question here. First off, what does it do for you, if anything, for Tennessee? And am I wrong in looking at this Titans team and thinking, like, man, I think they're on a razor's edge. Like, you got a bunch of guys who are near that point in their careers that might be on the decline that things actually, while well, you do have a coach that does maximize his roster, I think there's a reality in which this season goes pretty poorly for Tennessee. Am I reading this team wrong? You're not. Um, I mean, the win total of seven and a half kind of <laughs> tells you that uh, a you know a good season might be 500. Yep. Um, and it's uh, the te- the story of the Tennessee Titans goes back a couple of years now because yes. I it, I felt like you know as the one seed they way overperformed uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, getting that seed, they losing you know their first home playoff game to the Bengals, and you know it, it felt like in that moment the decision makers, um, you know, kind of looked at the pieces they had, looked you know specifically at the quarterback in Ryan Tannehill, and decided, well, we're not going to win in a very 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 tough AFC anytime soon with Tannehill at our quarterback, um, and so they kind of I thought realistically embraced the you know the the um the tank, uh, with some of their moves they made last off season. Um, and yet they still competed, f- you know, fairly, f- you know, competitively. They were, they were, you know, knocking on the door, uh, you know, of winning an AFC South last year until, uh, you know, Tannehill got injured down the stretch. And I would say that, um, you know, the, I, I thought the decision-making in the front office was correct in embracing the tank. Whereas Rabel was no, we're, we're, we're going for a super bowl every year. What are you talking about? Like, this is, yeah, we're, we're a good team. Uh, I don't care if we lost AJ Brown, we're going to, we're going to compete. And ultimately Rabel won that battle. They fired the GM and now it's a Rabel guy in the decision-making process. And so, you know, they're throwing money at assets and, and trying to put together what, you know, ostensibly winning football. And this talent, this roster is just not especially talented. Deandre Hopkins moves the needle for me from them having the 28th best skill position group, including Derek Henry, the running back to the, uh, the 20th congratulations. Uh, you're still below average in the NFL. Um, and I think if Tannehill, you know, has a full healthy season for you, which is in and of itself, not an especially high proposition, this is still a very bad offensive line, uh, and a tough enough schedule that I think, uh, you know, Tennessee's not really going to be in it. Um, they look like they're going to be in purgatory for a while with this type of decision-making. All right. I like, I like to hear that. I did take a flyer on, I got the 21 to one to have the worst record in the NFL. Just took a flyer on a, mm-hmm. Worst record Titans season because I I feel if, like we're going to see a yeah. lot of Will Levis uh, at some if point. If that if that if that materializes, you are super super duper live because I got to tell you, Will Levis is a least a year away from being a competitive NFL player. Oh yeah, Drew, good to talk to you, man. Thanks as always. All right, best of luck, guys. At Whale underscore Capper up on Twitter. We'll take our break. Uh, we have a lot left, uh, including. 
you know, I'm going to be here for a few days. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some group of five teams, huh? As we get ready for the college football season. A numbers game on VSEN, the sports betting network. Step up to the plate for BetMGM's new swing for the fences. Free-to-play game for the chance to win a prize every day this baseball season. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing in this free-to-play game. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you're going to receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM, a game center reminds you to play responsibly. you got to be 21. BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Kansas, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. If you have a gambling problem, 1-800-GAMBLER is the number in most States in partnership with Kansas Crossing his Casino and Hotel. This offer is not valid to Puerto Rico residents. Back on a numbers game, I'm Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Gil today. So, you know, I figure, Kelly, as college football gets a little bit closer, you know, we, look, man, we talked about the SEC. We know that Georgia's going to be good. Did you know that Caleb Williams plays for USC? No way, you know? bro. Yeah, Texas might be back. I don't know if you heard of that last year in the, uh, <laughs> the Big 12. I think that's every I think uh-huh. I, I think you say that every year at this time. Yeah, LSU. Texas is back. LSU, a dark horse contender. Yep. Yeah. They're going to play Florida State. Florida another State, dark, yeah, another dark horse contender, right? Uh, but I figure, look, so one of the things that I like to, like, harp on, I th- we've talked about this a couple of times here on the network, but it, it applies to college football. It applies to college basketball in that, look, if there's a conference for whatever reason you have a little bit more of a read on, then, hey, maybe get hyper-focused on that. I've talked to this. I talked about this with Brad Powers before. Like, start out hyper-focusing on some of these conferences and go, and go out, especially when there's so much attention and so much money in these markets on some of these big conferences, mm-hmm. Power 5 conferences. You could find some diamonds in the rough um, in these other markets and in these other conferences. You know, case in point, my, my big my big Mountain West title future last year was Fresno State at 3-1. to one. And Fresno State eventually got there, and they beat uh, the Boise State Broncos to get to that point. Now, it's touch and go because Hainer went down with an ankle injury, whatever, but it ultimately gets there. And I think you could find value in conferences outside of the power five so what i wanted to do was start with some of these group five conferences kind of look at these a little bit more in depth throughout the week we'll start with the mountain west i'm going to be out at media days earlier or later this week also used to cover it full-time do it a little bit more part-time so i feel like i got a good a pretty good read on it for you the always part. do yeah you always do you matt humans always have good reads on the mountain west conference i and i think that's a good pro tip too i think for anybody that's handicapping college if you're looking to get into seriously handicapping college football college basketball i think both apply right jvt where hey pick a conference start with that conference and usually yeah if you pick one of the smaller ones there's going to be less betting into that into that market so you could maybe find some more favorable odds but i i think it's if you try to tackle this is really why i stay away from it but if you try to tackle betting just all college football all college basketball it is a daunting feat and mm-hmm. overwhelming with how many how many teams just completely change. I, I, we're in that's where we're at in college sports now. These te- these teams change every year. You're handicapping a new roster every single season. Well, and look, Kyle, I mean, you talked to Vinny about this. We've talked about many many bookmakers about it. College football is approaching like the NFL in terms of popularity. Mm-hmm. So, like these markets are becoming more and more tight. They're becoming a little bit harder to beat, especially at this top end. I mean, look, we did a show last year. I'm sure we're going to do it on Sundays again in our opening line show where we talked about it. it when you see that one of the big events on Sundays is not NFL Sunday, it's hey, a lot of these books like Circa get first to market at 11 a.m. Pacific time every Sunday, yep. and then those things get beat to shape whether it is going to be the lines or the totals, and this is how it moves. So these are becoming more and more popular. It's becoming more and more tight. So. Uh, 
wanted to go conference by conference, but group of five throughout this week uh, so we can have some fun with these. So let's start with the Mountain West, the conference that I'm talking about that I do have some familiarity with. And if you look at the odds to win the Mountain West, it is a, a group of teams that are familiar with a lot of you. Boise State is the favorite to win the conference, plus 175 over at DraftKings. Fresno State is plus 380. Air Force comes in at 4-1. to one. San Diego State at 7-1. to one. Then you see that slight gap and you get into the double digits. Wyoming at 12. San Jose State at 14-1. to one. And then the rest from there, UNLV at 18-1 to one and really start to see a gap from them to Utah State and others. And I would say, too, Kelly, for the most part, this is a pretty interesting year for the Mountain West because I don't think it's as strong as in years past. And people would say the Mountain West wasn't that strong. There was parity uh, in this conference last year, and there were some teams that actually had really good quarterbacks and whatnot. I would say once you get to a certain line of demarcation in this conference, there is a strong drop-off, so there is some move for some upward uh, mobility for some of these teams, I would say, starting at San Jose State and on. Uh, but for the most part, I'd like to ask the question at the top, like, okay, Boise State, the favorite to win the conference, are this, the Broncos the rightful favorite to win the conference? And the simple answer is yes. We could dive into the details of that. They get nine guys back on offense this year. Quarterback Taylor Green was really solid for him last year. Took over at one point in the season. Remember, he played in week one. I think he officially started starting in week five. Uh, went on to win Mountain West uh, freshman of the year. Was very, very good. And the numbers across the board were really solid. He gets his four receivers back from last season, his top four receivers back from last season, three returning starters along the offensive line, and even better, you get a Power 5 conference, um, excuse me, yeah, Power 5 conference uh, transfer from Texas Tech along the offensive line, along with an injured returnee from 2021. So this offense looks like it's going to be absolutely tremendous. An experienced offensive line, a wide receiver core that is all back from a season ago, a Mountain West freshman of the year. Oh, and also, by the way, the best running back core in the Mountain West. George Halani is in the backfield again, and they've got a guy behind him that performed very well last season. So there's a lot of depth with this offense. Defensively, you only get five guys back for Boise State, and you lose two all-Mountain West secondary pieces. So that's going to be a really big question, but Andy Avalos has done a really good job. He's a defensive-minded guy. So – if there was a position group or a side of the ball that you wouldn't be worried about making up for the lack of returning starters, it would be that defense because of the staff that's there. So overall, it really does make sense that this team is favored. And by the way, that defensive line should be pretty good. Three power five transfers along that defensive line to bring in some depth. So that front seven is going to be pretty talented for Boise State. Having said that, we have to look at the realities for Boise State. And this is where I think you call into question the overall odds for Boise State being favored here. Should they be favored? Yes. But my quibble is with the degree to which they are favored in this conference. There is a reality that Taylor Green doesn't develop further, and I'll focus on one number for him, Kelly, that really sticks out to you. He was, I would say, a little reckless. Turnover-worthy play rate of 4.6% last season on an average depth of target of 11.2 yards. So he's slinging the ball downfield. He's committing turnover-worthy plays, but those turnover-worthy plays weren't turning into turnovers. And if that starts to come and bite him, I'll take you back to Hank Bachmeyer, the quarterback who was here before. Yeah, were you were you wondering who the prior that guy's was? Yeah. name? I was like, I was like Bachman. What was that guy's name? Yep, Hank Bachmeyer. Yeah. Hank Bachmeyer. <laughs> and he was kind of the same. He was a little bit of the same. But his thing was he would hold onto the ball, take sacks, and put the ball in danger. And if there there's a reality in which Taylor Green comes out doesn't learn from the mistakes because last year went well, his turnover worthy play rate stays the same, but all of a sudden you start committing turnovers because they all start to turn into turnovers. And then your offense, which is loaded starts to regress a little bit because your second year quarterback hasn't really shown that much growth. You also look at it too. The schedule has some challenges. You have road trips to San Diego state, Fresno state, Utah state. We'll see. They're only, they're 28 to one with a win total of five Utah state though, in the past, and they're a very well coached team has had, or has been a problem. You also have to host San Jose State, which is going to be one of the better offenses in the Mountain West, returning nine themselves and a really good quarterback in Shaven Cordero. 
and non-con matchups at Washington, UCF, and at Memphis. So I think overall with Boise State, do they deserve to be favored? Yes. I just think that the degree to which they are favored is a little too strong. So then it begs the question, okay, so if we're saying this, where else are you going? And I would say the top option is, once again, to bet on Fresno State to repeat as a Mountain West champion. Fresno State's got a lot of good and interesting pieces. We should note that they lose a lot, right? A lot of is gone on offense. Including the starting quarterback. Yep, Jay Kaner is in the National Football League. Jordan Mims, their leading rusher, is gone. Their two all-conference wide receivers are gone. So you're like, okay, so why are we building the case for Fresno State? And overall, only four starters return on offense. But offensive line largely intact. Four offensive linemen that started their last six games of the season all back with the program. So the wow. offensive line is a good place to start. You, If you look at it, Malik Sherrod, who ran behind Jordan Mims, nearly 500 yards at a really efficient clip of about five yards of carry. So he's going to take over at running back. They should be perfectly fine, especially if you have an experienced offensive line. And a quarterback, Mikey Keene comes in, UCF transfer, and they have Jaden Mandel, Mandel, who is a homegrown, we'll call him, a recruited kid. And if there is a guy who's a really good um, quarterback whisperer, if you will, in college football, Jet Tedford's great. He gets a lot out of his quarterbacks. He has won multiple Mountain West championships with different quarterbacks. This is going to be a team that I think if you're going to get a bounce back offensively, despite a lack of returning starters, it would be a team like Fresno State. And defensively, seven guys are back from that conference championship team. So your defense should be right around where it was production-wise a season ago, and I think you have the pieces to make up for everything you lost from last year's team. Their schedule is somewhat challenging, especially on the back end. They close out after the bye, UNLV at home and Boise State before going to San Jose State, New Mexico, and then at SDSU. I think SDSU is actually not going to be that good this year. You know, again, win total kind of reflects that. And maybe a winning season, but a win total of seven at about a pick. We tell you that's going to be an average team, so maybe that road trip's not going to be that hard. But I think when you're looking elsewhere, Fresno State at plus 380 or near 4-1 to one to win this conference is a ticket very much worth having. And the other would be San Jose State. San Jose State lost a lot on defense, but their offense with Cordero is going to be really, really, really good. And when you're talking quarterback uh, in the conference, uh, no, I would, I would say right now it's probably Green. Okay, uh, but Shaven Cordero could be, he would be considered, and I would say arguably the second best guy. Also, quarterback plays really not that great in this league this year, so like that's probably part. (laughs) That's probably part of the thing. You know, you got a lot of guys who are leaving. Like people who look at Air Force, for example, and go, "Why does it matter if their quarterback leaves?" Zeke Daniels was awesome, and he was very good for what they did. He's not going to be there anymore. Wyoming's quarterback situation is an absolute mess. Doug Brumfield for UNLV is extremely talented, but missed a lot of time due to injury. Very slight in terms of his body weight. So there's something there where he could actually get knocked out and potentially miss time. But overall, Fresno State and San Jose State, the play's worth making in this conference to win it outside of Boise State because those teams have a lot going for them. I got a win total in here, too, we can get to as well as part of the second hour. But when we come back, uh, we have a lot left in our second hour, including two great guests as we have to get to a lot of the sporting events going on in the world, including Open Championship later this week. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points. They can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. If you're planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Rewards properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. Eligibility restrictions apply. BetMGM, again, says, <coughs> excuse me, remind you to play responsibly and hail some of my uh, saliva. 
Went down the wrong way. Eligibility restrictions apply. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Offer resources up and make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Got to be 21 years of age or older to wager new and existing customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. They expire seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Last 10 minutes here on a numbers game. Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Gil Alexander. Let's welcome in our next guest, a man who looks very regal, and I don't think he's ever inhaled his saliva and uh, coughed at all. See you in the Jad of Sportsline. See what's going on. Ah, look at that. Hey, see? You're too handsome to pull stuff intro. like that, huh? Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, let's, let's talk about something, a uh, big picture about Royal Liverpool before we get into uh, some of the golfers you have. Uh, when we were talking about the course itself and the way that it looks, uh, what do you see with your eyes when you evaluate the course overall? And what does that lead to in terms of some of the parameters and qualities in a golfer that you want going into this week? Well, nice to be with you, JVT and Kelly, as usual. I, I like, uh, you know, I I'm looking at a lot of the global stuff. You know, weighted tee to green, I think, is really going to be important here. It's going to be a tee to green test. I tend to bake my around the green play into weighted tee to green, which really means I'm taking a little less of an emphasis on the around the green play because for me, historically, I think it's a little bit more random than most. With all of that said, I do think you need to be good around the green. Putting, I'm not real. It's not a huge emphasis for me. I think being accurate off the tee is going to be pretty important, but being long is good too. So I'm looking at total driving. I'm looking at approach play, particularly with some of the longer iron proximities. And then again, I'm looking at some of the global stuff like weighted tee to green. So let me ask you, I'll, I'll ask you and then I'll ask you, Kelly. Differentiate for me because I like analytics a lot, but I haven't gotten into the minutia of golf analytics. The difference between strokes gained approach, strokes gained around the green. Okay, so approach is going to be your shot into the green. So okay. let's say it's a par four and you, you hit it off the tee. Your next shot is going to be a shot on approach. Now let's assume that approach shot was errant and you are you didn't land it on the green. So you didn't hit the green in regulation. Let's say it's a few feet off of the green into the fringe or, or the rough. Now you're chipping. Most likely you're chipping to the hole. That's going to be around the green play right there. Okay, got and it. And then the numbers that you're seeing are all against the field too, right? So it's strokes gained versus what the field got it. did. Yes. All right. See, I like that. That's mm -hmm. why I, I like to learn. I like to ask yeah. questions. I don't know. All right. So then let, let's let's talk about then that leads you to uh, which golfers. I know you've got four outright. So walk us through the four guys that you've got. Yeah, I'll start with Brooks Kepka. I mean, he's just one of those guys like we we've always talked about him as sort of a major killer and he doesn't really care about the the, the normal events. I mean, this guy really is a major killer. He won the PGA championship T2 at the masters and T20 or top 20. I think he was 17th at the U S open. And by the way, he's playing well on the live tour. I mean, it sort of begs the question. I have him at 20 to one. Um, I got it earlier this, this week. I mean, 18 to one is still a good number. If he was on the PGA tour and if live didn't exist, what do we think this number would have been given what we know about Brooks Kepka so far? I honestly think this could be 10 to one. 12 to one at worst. So I think we're still getting a really good deal on an excellent golfer that if he was on the PGA tour, we might be talking about him in the same breath as Scotty Scheffler, Roy McIlroy and John Rahm. I think it's, a, I, I want to follow up on that real quick. I think that's an interesting point. Uh, Sia, cause yes, we don't have the, we don't have some of the recent form to be able to look at as closely. We don't get the same strokes gain uh, stats on live as we do on PGA. So it's hard for guys like you and I to break that stuff down. But I think from just a betting market standpoint, JVT, what Sia just hit on there is really big because we've seen those numbers. He was nine. You know, I had a 99 to one ticket on him at the masters, right? He goes out there, has, has a good performance. And what do we see the odds do? He goes off in the PGA at like, what was that? 15 to one or mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. And then we 
we just don't see him for a little while, and he's back in this 20, mid-20s range to bet on. So I think that's a good point right there, Sia. Yeah, and the, the other three to round out my outright card, and I had some trouble with the third one, but the second one is Terrell Hatton at, at 25 to 1. I mean, listen, Terrell Hatton is just one of those guys that continues to gain across the board, including last week. You just mentioned JVT, the strokes gain metrics. He literally gained across the board last week, yep. around the green, with the putter, with the approach play, and off the tee. And he does that on a very regular basis. That complete test, that like, you know, all the tools in the bag, if you will. That's what Terrell Hatton is. And the ball striking has been very good for him as well. I think he's due to win and it could be this weekend. The other two, Colin Moore Cow at plus 3,500. I kind of teetered between him and Dustin Johnson. It was, it was one of the two there. I went with Colin Moore Cow because I, I am seeing some glimmers of upside with the putter and with the ball striking. His last time out, the ball striking was pretty great. So I think from a value standpoint, 35 to one is pretty great. And then finally, Wyndham Clark. I've been on this guy all year. It's paid off. He's 60 to one, really not getting the respect in the market. I think he's just fine for this course. Ball striking should be okay. Off the tee should be great. And it's the short game that has always been really good for Wyndham Clark. Around the green, putter, he can get it done. So I think 60 to 1 is way too long. It probably should be in the 40-ish to 1 range. All right, let's talk about your matchups. We'll, we'll tie in Hatton because you have a Hatton over Tommy Fleetwood. Fleetwood was going to be one of the outrights that I was going to include here only because played really well last week at the Scottish Open. It was just a couple days ago last week. Uh, so played well there. And, of course, uh, we know, of course, like – think he would be a pretty good golfer suited for a course like this why play Hatton over Tommy Fleetwood am I wrong in thinking to include Fleetwood in some of my outrights you're not wrong at all this is not a fade of Fleetwood it's really just taking Hatton here across as many markets as I can so for me Terrell Hatton is just a little bit better a little bit more consistent particularly with the ball striking uh, than Tommy Fleetwood Tommy Fleetwood's great and he could do great and he could win this tournament but we have seen some moments over his last five or six tournaments where he hasn't necessarily been as good with the ball striking with the approach play specifically as Terrell Hatton as far as the putter is concerned Fleetwood's a great putter but Hatton actually edges him out there too he's been really Hatton's been really hot with the putter so for me I feel like I'm getting Terrell Hatton at, at good value minus 120 over Tommy Fleetwood but I gotta admit from a range of outcome standpoint Tommy Fleetwood could win this tournament just for me I think I think Terrell Hatton wins the tournament more times and beats Tommy Fleetwood more times out of 100. Hey, let's go to the other matchups that you got. We'll start with Scotty Scheffler over Rory McIlroy. McIlroy, of course, coming off of that performance at the Scottish and gets the top 10 machine Scotty Scheffler in this matchup. You're going Scheffler. Yeah, I'm going Scheffler, and I'll keep this one short. Scheffler's just a better golfer than Roy McIlroy, and, and I think we're getting a good price. First of all, Roy McIlroy might be a better fit, I'll, I'll admit, at, at the Open Championship than Scotty Scheffler, but Scotty Scheffler has been an absolute machine tee to green, and he outclasses everybody, including Roy McIlroy, in that department. Now, the putter's a different story. Roy's been better there, but I think we're getting some value here. If we just take away the Scottish Open, and I know that's really easy for me to say, but it's Scotty Scheffler we're talking about. I think he's really justifiably like a minus 135 favorite against anybody, including Rory McIlroy. So I think we're getting a little bit of value here because everybody wants to play Rory and we're seeing that in the market. So I'll take Scotty there. And then finally, I've got Siwoo Kim minus 135 over Sahith Tagala. Sahith Tagala, I like him. Everybody likes him, but he's been really inconsistent. Off the tee, he's been downright bad. Uh, on approach, he's been very inconsistent. And Siwoo Kim, on the other hand, has been very consistent. He did lose seven strokes somehow at the Travelers with the putter. That's not great. But if you look at the ball striking, he is absolutely dominating with the ball striking. He's generally pretty good with the putter in the short game. So, again, range of outcomes. Really like Siwoo Kim here, minus 135 over Sahil. And we're going to get to the first-round leaders, but really quickly, um, he is Scotty Scheffler, minus 140 to finish in the top 10. Are we reaching a point where now these prices are getting a little too high on him to finish in the top 10? 
I mean, yeah, yeah, kind of, because I think we sort of missed the boat a little bit, and this is a packed field, so minus 140. I mean, I, I would really like that at, like, minus 110. I don't really dabble into the top 10 market too much. I'm more like top 30, top 40 guy. I wouldn't take it at minus 140, but listen, I'm not going to argue with anybody who wants to take Kelly, it. your eyes got really small because you were smiling so big. Let me know when it doesn't hit. No, that, 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 yeah, exactly. <laughs> the yeah. price minus, is one, <laughs> minus 140 for a top 10 before the tournament it's is pretty absurd, crazy. Yes. This is pretty crazy. All right, see you. We'll get you out of here. Last 90, walk us through your first round leaders. Yeah, let's start with uh, Ricky Fowler at 35 to one. Listen, you can take him as an outright too. I, I just think he's really dialed in. I think he's a very good course fit. So I'll go Ricky there. Tommy Fleetwood, your guy. I have questions about whether Tommy Fleetwood could close, can close. I mean, we've yep. seen it over the last, I should say this, the last like two or three months where he's been in position and is kind of wilted. That happens to a lot of people. It's really not a knock on Tommy Fleetwood, but because he's going to be comfortable at the open championship, I expect round one to actually be pretty good with him. And we know he can spike for any round, whether that's round one, two, or three, not necessarily four, but uh, I think Tommy Fleetwood is great. Shane Lowry, speaking of spiking, Shane Lowry can get it done. He incredibly lost a ton ball striking last week, but was really good with the short game. Good news there. He's always great with the ball striking. That was an anomaly. If the short game is the same as it was at the Scottish Open, he can absolutely maybe win, but certainly spike in round one. And the last ones, Taylor Gooch, a relative unknown, but he's been excellent on live. So I'm happy to take that at 65 to one as a first round leader. And then finally, this dude is dialed in at 100 to one. I'll take a long shot on Sepp Strzok. He's doing everything right. He can't win this tournament but he can certainly spike for a round. Hopefully it's the first one. You can find Sia again over on Sportsline. Sia Najad, S-I-A-N-E-J-A-D. Sia, it's always good to talk to you, man. Thank you very much for the time. Good luck. Thanks. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. All right, we're all done. How about that? This show went by quick, huh? Vsin.com. You can find out uh, everything we have to offer and, of course, the podcasts that are up there if you missed out on any part of this show. Talk tomorrow here on The Number Kick. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.